Well, it won't be long, and Thanksgiving will be here. It won't be long, and Christmas will be here. And usually, uh, those events are significant for obvious reasons to us. But one of the other things that happens around this time of year is that there is a significant increase in the amount of the availability of food on the table. So, this morning, um, I'm going to start off here with uh, a country music song. I know, I, I wish Tom was here. I know he holds country music in high regard, <laughs> but he is not. I would have settled for even a video that would have said, I'm sorry I couldn't be with you today like they do at the Grammys, but that's, that's okay. This, uh, this song speaks to a, a greater truth. And so having said that, there will be two predominant things that you will hear in, the, uh, in this song. I'll play it about two-thirds of the way through, and then we'll pray. So, Porter, take it away. do si -do. Everybody is your neighbor on this one thing you can rely. can rely They'll all come to see you and never, never leave you Saying y'all come to see us by and by Y'all come, y'all come, 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 oh you all come to see us when you can Y'all come, y'all come, come, oh you all come to see us now and then The kin folks are coming, they're coming by the dozen, eating everything from soup to hay. And right after dinner, they ain't looking any thinner, and here's what you'll hear them say. Y'all come, y'all come, y'all come, oh you all come to see us when you can. Y'all come, y'all come, us now and then all right <clears throat> God has a sense of humor he takes each one of us and he uses us in the, the unique way he makes each one of us to make the point that he wants to make and so let's start with a word of prayer Lord, we are grateful. We are grateful that you are our joy. We are grateful that you are the one who puts a smile on our face. You are the glory and the lifter of our heads. We thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are righteous, and that you are true. We thank you, Lord, that your eye is upon us. You watch over us. You neither slumber nor sleep, and you provide for us all that we need. There is no area that is lacking, Lord, because you are our provider. 
Open the eyes of our understanding this day, Lord, to behold wondrous things from your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, starting at verse 1 and ending with verse 3. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So in that song that we heard, there was a predominant word that stood out in there, come. And the other thing that was significant that stood out was food. There was also the talk of neighbors, but that would be for another, I don't want to take it down a tangent, but those two stand out as two predominant things in that song. And so to speak to a greater truth here, in this section of scripture that I just read, if you look in verse 1, you will see the word come four times. And in verse 3, you will see it a fifth time. Now, I do not know. You can prove me wrong and show me. I do not know in scriptures where in this short section, you have a repetitive word repeated like that to make a point. It, it, the fact he would say something is important, stands alone on it, is enough. The fact that if he repeats something once, there's something to it. But what does that say about the fact that five times in three verses, I think there's a sense of urgency there. Now, as I dug a little deeper here, the first word in the ESV here, it says come, but it's translated differently than come. It means to admonish. It means to advise or urge someone earnestly to warn or reprimand someone firmly. Now listen, I have no problem with someone reprimanding me to eat. <laughs> Glory, I got, an, I got an amen there. So usually when I think of reprimand, I think of something like this is serious, there's a warning, there is something, uh, you know, it's like, don't go there. Here, we have urgency with the sense of eating. I think it's pretty good. As we will pursue this, you'll see, though, that the question is, what are we eating?
So in this first verse, besides the word come that is repetitive and making the point, this is an invitation. This, he makes this as broad. This is for everyone. There is no way that you can escape this invitation unless you say, I don't want it and walk away. So who is it open to? Everyone who thirsts. Anybody here that doesn't get thirsty? Guess what? We qualify. Everyone who thirsts, young and old, that's everybody. No one is excluded. In John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, Jesus was at the well. And Jesus said, he who drinks of this water will thirst again. But the water I give him, he will never thirst again. And then later on in the, in the Gospel of John, I think it's in chapter 7, but he references Jesus was not bashful about his invitation. He stood up in the temple and he cried out with a loud voice and says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Drink. I've gone to the drinking fountain at work and somebody came up behind me and said, are you a camel? <laughs> Jesus invites us to drink, to drink deeply. That, that, that water that we will not thirst again and that there will be rivers of water. And then he goes on and he says, and, and he who has no money, come. He doesn't disqualify. You got no money? Don't bother showing up. No. What kind of merchant do you know that if he has something to sell is going to people who have no money? That's not the way we think. But here he says, come, buy, and eat. You know, it, it would be a little intimidating. We'd be at a, a huge disadvantage to have no money and say, I want that. But before... I go any further, I want to say one thing and I put it on your paper and I underlined it to the left. Everlasting covenant. If you don't remember anything else about this message but Porter Wagner, no. If you don't remember anything else about this message, it's these two words. Everlasting covenant. We don't think along those lines. Everlasting covenant. And I'm going to come back to that later. But it's the idea that he bound himself. He fettered himself to us. He, this covenant is what gives these verses its teeth, so to speak. Its power. Its grip. It's what he did. He 
he bound himself to us. So he says, come. Then he says, buy. And then he says, eat. But in and these verses all connect. But you know what? It's what to buy. He helps us with the grocery list. He talks about buying milk. He talks about wine. And he talks about buying without money and without price. So let me just say this. On our own, on our own, we could never afford what he is offering. It's priceless. We can't put a price tag on it, but he did. He meant what he said. He said what he meant. There's no loopholes here. No bait and switch. No fine print. No salesman who tries to sell you something and then when something goes wrong and you call the company, sorry, it doesn't matter what the salesman said. Here's the contract. The contract is the everlasting covenant that he made with us. Covenant. Covenant. It is a word that should become a part of our vocabulary and our way of thinking and I want to challenge you that when we go to the Lord's Supper and you go out there great or small whatever the need is he says come buy and eat I want to broaden our horizon I want to give you fresh fire that when you we take the Lord's Supper you can come and maybe you don't go over to the prayer thing that's okay but come expecting that when you go to the table he knows what you have need of and you're gonna get it I'm not going to stand up here and say, well, I wonder if I will or I won't. I'm coming in what he says and that he's covenant with me and that that is good enough for me. Now, I'm not saying that there's some other things that don't factor into that, but here in this passage, when he says, come, and says, buy and eat. There is, there is no trace, there's no hint of intimidation here. What did Jesus in the, in the uh, Lord's Prayer tell us? The fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. He's the one who taught us to pray, to come, ask. Give us this day our daily bread. In John chapter 6, starting at verse 31. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread... Of heaven, for, excuse me, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread 
Always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is home cooking with a capital H. This set of passages is brimming, brimming. Thank you. This, this set of passages is brimming over with spiritual food, blessings. I am saying this that this passage here, these, these groups of passages, these three verses, are the Old Testament equivalent to what Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1. To those who have obtained like precious faith through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, whereby he has granted unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who has called us, who has invited us, to his own glory and excellence. Whereby he is granted, he is given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. That by these we, may, we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. For this very reason, add to your faith virtue. And the list goes on and he talks about the benefits that of these qualities being you and abound but do you see the magnitude of these three verses here in this invitation here this follows on the heels of Isaiah 53 it follows which he talks about Christ taking and being our peace, our chastisement, our healing. And then what Donna read, talking about the covenant in Isaiah chapter 54. And now on 55, he says, come. Consider for a moment the prophet Elijah. I like this story because here's a life-related instance where... Elijah made a stand against 400 false prophets. He saw God move mightily. It was a defining moment. He said, if your God answers by fire, we'll follow you. If my God answers by fire, this is whom we're going to serve. 400 prophets, he stood up to them. Jezebel comes along after this and says, you're going to be like one of these. And he runs. He runs far. He runs away. He's not thinking about God. He's thinking about self-preservation. Well, so what does God do? God knows, where he, God knows where he is. 
There's no place he could have gone that, would have, that he would have escaped God. So what does he do? He sends an angel to him. And what does that angel do? That angel bakes a cake. Yeah. So what was the significance of that cake? Elijah didn't want to eat the cake. The angel said, you need to eat this cake. You've got a journey ahead of you, bro. The fact of the matter is that on the strength of that cake, he made the journey back to God. God knew what he needed. He gave him that cake. And he said, you need to eat it. And he did. That is daily bread. When your emotions are running wild, when you feel like you've been backed into a corner, when you feel like the enemy's jumping on, up and down on you with both feet, you need something in your spirit that is going to pick you up off the floor and say, I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to give up. Something that's going to nourish you. Jesus in the wilderness. First temptation. Turn these stones to bread. What did Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So while I'm not putting down bread, I like homemade bread, I like to throw rolls at Lambert's, but I am talking about spiritual food. When I first started going out with Donna, I thought I would try to make a serious impression, so I took her to a French restaurant. Now, I don't know if how many of you have ever been to a French restaurant. I thought, boy, that's international. That sounds pretty good. Well, let me tell you something about a French restaurant. They're not cheap. <laughs> I couldn't pronounce some of the words that were on the menu. But was what, what was even more disturbing to me, this is me now, were the portions I got. Where is it? Remember that commercial, where's the beef? The portions, you could have put them in a Dixie cup. Really? I spent hard-earned money for this? Now, I didn't, well, I did tell her that, but I didn't say it that night. But boy, later I did. And I just thought, man, I will not make that mistake again. But the idea with, with, with the Lord in this invitation, come everyone who thirsts, there's plenty for everybody. That, that, that means that if you come, that doesn't mean that somebody else is lacking. There's plenty for everybody. And there's more than enough for everybody. He doesn't skimp in his servings like that French restaurant did. So if that's a review, there's a review. Don't go to a French restaurant. I'll take Lambert's any day. Lambert. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, okay. So, we talked about water. We talk about milk. In, in 1 Peter chapter 2, 2, he talks about desiring the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. So, when a baby is growing up, are you going to give a baby wine? I may get in trouble here. Are you going to give a baby a beer? No. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk that, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Jesus knows exactly what he's talking about when he said these words. Now let me just throw this in here. So in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 2, there's a scripture that says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard. What's been prepared for those who love him? We can't even come up with what do we need. Oh, maybe when we're up against it, golly. But the fact of the matter is, he knows. He knows what we need on any given day. And so, in the come, buy, and eat, I want to suggest to you that there is also the preparation of the food and sitting down at the table. It's not enough just to come. That's important. You have to be willing to take him up on his offer and buy. And so you want to see the goods that you're getting. Would any of you guys here buy a car without looking at it? Anybody, would, would that be setting you, setting you up for trouble? <laughs> There's one in every crowd. <laughs> I would submit to you that most of us guys would, <clears throat> would do our homework before you bought the car. Ladies, when you go shopping at the store and you've got an intent to make a chocolate pie, I'm partial to chocolate. I could have said pumpkin because Thanksgiving's coming up. Do you think if you were kind of slacking your ingredients, and nah, I don't need that ingredient, I'll just make this pie without that ingredient, do you think there would be a, a change in the outcome? Well, if there's a pie and there's a key ingredient left out, you'll, you would know it. And so, in Psalm 104, let me turn there. Psalm 104. Verses 14 and 15. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man. Oil to make his face shine and bread to strengthen man's heart.
Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 through 22. Excuse me. Um, Proverbs there says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. So, a moment of truth. In verse 2, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for which do, that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. If I were to take my own cart in a grocery store with Donna and she went shopping with her own cart, and by the time we got to the checkout lane and checked out, I would want to tell you that my cart would look vastly different than her cart. Um, so I would say to you that if you would look in my cart, you would see that I made a prolonged stop in the candy department. You would see, oh boy, you would see that I made a prolonged stop in the ice cream department. <laughs> you would see that I made a prolonged stop in the soda department. And you would also see, well, at Candy I was cutting a broad swath, but I thought this deserves a class all by itself, and that's chocolate. Yeah. I'm talking about the four food groups here. Do I have any arguments? Okay, okay. I'm glad it's not doctrine. Um, so, so, now, to Donna's credit, she would have nutritional, good, nourishing, good stuff for your, your health. My entire life, a big portion of my life, has been like that. What you saw in my shopping cart. Now I will tell you that those things, I could take them and eat them and savor it in my mouth. It wouldn't satisfy. I could drink soda. Wouldn't satisfy. So, let me ask you a question. What fills up your spiritual shopping cart? It's been said that, you know, don't eat snack foods, don't eat these things before. What do they do? They spoil your appetite. I would also say that in the foods that I have eaten in my, uh, that I have made personal choices for, there were things in them that aren't good. I was one that disregarded that and said, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm enjoying it. But that doesn't change the fact that what I was taking in 
was hurting me. It didn't satisfy. It didn't fulfill. It didn't nourish. Maybe the better question here is what fills up our thought life? Maybe there's an area where we think, God, I'm disappointed. I'm justified in eating the food I'm eating. See, I, I have done that. I have done that. But no amount of my reasoning makes those four food groups legitimate, beneficial, nutritious four food groups. What makes the four food groups beneficial is the truth that makes them up. Psalm 119, the writer, he's a satisfied customer of eating of the food that God provides. There's a whole psalm devoted to that. And so, some of the things, I'm going to take this just one step further. I am not one that gets on Facebook and types and communicates and that. But let me tell you what I have found is that when I get on Facebook and I start looking at like all the different uh, videos and stuff, by the time I get done watching these different videos and stuff, do you know how much time has come off the clock? That's right, hours. And I find myself, how did I get in this spot? Now, I'm not here to browbeat. But what I am here in saying is that, wow, this thing took me to that point. And that's time off the clock. I won't get back. So in asking this question, you know, this is what I like about the Lord. He knows, he knows the right question to ask. He knows just how to bring us to the place to say, we got to talk. That if we really get down to it, you know, each one of us here, I believe... Here's what he told me. You ask the question and let me search the heart. So, you should have seen the looks that I got, first of all, from Tom Kreider, 
Secondly, from Leah. Thirdly, from Natalie. When I told them, you're all sitting down. I'm drinking beet juice. Um, let me repeat that again in case you didn't hear. I am drinking beet juice. <laughs> no, Tom fell off his seat when I told him that. Leah, her eyes got as big as saucers and says, what? And then here's the other thing that I've done. So not to, just let me be clear. I have not given up drinking milk. I drink milk. You ask Donna, I drink milk like there's no tomorrow. I still drink milk, okay? So the, the idea is that, uh, oh, and I've started eating oatmeal. Okay, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you that when there comes a point, I'm, I'm saying this about to the greater truth, Because I can go on lying to myself and say it's okay. But there'll come a day when the evidence, the truth, will be revealed. And guess what? It's too late then. Now on. And so I will tell you that my stock in soft drinks has plummeted. I still, okay, listen, I still drink a soda, but not like I used to. So, in verse 3, listen diligently to me. And eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. God is not a cosmic blanket. You know, sometimes when we approach, when I approach the word of God, I can come with the attitude like I'm going to have to eat kale or broccoli or spinach. Or beets. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, there is, he, see, he sees that this is good. And it's like, okay, do I delight in beet juice? Okay, I have to, I, I'm seeing the bigger picture here. I'm not drinking it like I'm drinking soda. Oh boy, it's beet juice. I'm ready for a V8 now. No, I'm not. But I am, I am going with the truth that this is for my good. And I'm going to delight in it because it's working something far greater in me Something far greater in me. So in the spiritual food that God gives us, there are some significant aspects that I just want to say real quickly. And what he feeds us and what he speaks to us, he's revealing himself to us. The second thing is growing up in him. The third thing is that while this is an invitation, What's the, what's the alternative if we do not take them up on this invitation? D-E-A-T-H. Death. 
So going into the latter part of verse 2 and then verse 3, we have direct access to God through the covenant that was established by Jesus Christ. In this day and age in which we live, I am so grateful that God does not have voicemail. We have all learned to live with voicemail as a necessary part of modern life. But have you wondered, what if God decided to install voicemail? Imagine praying and hearing this. Thank you for calling my father's house. Please select one of the following options. Press 1 for requests. Press 2 for thanksgiving. Press 3 for complaints. Press 4 for all other inquiries. I'm sorry. All of our angels are busy helping other sinners right now. However, your prayer is important to us and will be answered in the order it was received. So, please stay on the line. If you would like to speak to the Father, press 1. For Jesus, press 2. For the Holy Spirit, press 3. If you would like to hear King David sing a psalm while you are holding, please press 4. So, my point is that we have a greater appreciation that we have direct access to the Father. Not just access, but He escorts us into His presence. In John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is not just a, a spiritual receptionist who sits out in the lobby while we go into the Father. Our lives are hidden in Him so that when we come into the Father's presence through the eternal covenant that He established, He sees Jesus. So that brings me to this point of the blessing of listening. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Here in verse 3, incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. There are many, there are different places in the scripture where we speak, where we call out to God, where we talk with him. Here is a set Here's a verse where it says, incline your ear and come to me. Another invitation. Another invitation. Incline your ear and come to me. Why? He has something to say for our good. Here, that your soul may live. There's the outcome. Whatever he says, it's to for us to be able to have life and have it abundantly. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant 
my steadfast, sure love for David. There's a psalm that says, all the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness. In Psalm 119, he says, turn to me and be gracious to me, Lord, as is your way with those who love your name. This set of passages testifies to that. So here, incline your ear and come to me. But what I have to tell you is that we have competition. Very disappointing moment, but you know, having been around people like my, my mother, my father, and Mike Mittler, um, you know, Coach Gibbs, and, and a lot of my competitors over the years, I have, um, I've learned from them. I didn't figure this out on my own, but I learned from a lot of other people. That Our thought life. There's a multitude of voices out there that are trying to jam that we can't hear God's voice. And so we have, on our part, we have to choose. We have to choose to tune out those things that are going to be like static, that would divert our attention, that would even drown out. To hear his voice. In Isaiah 30 verse 15. It says. In meekness and quietness. Shall be your strength. I like that. There is power in his words. There's power in his provision. His words are living and they are active. In Job 33, here's a set of verses that maybe you don't read or hear very often, but I think for, the, for this point of quieting our heart and the blessing of listening, here's what he says in, in Job 33, starting at verse 14. For God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, while they slumber on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and terrifies them with warnings. That he may turn aside man that, that he may that he may turn man aside from his deed and conceal pride from a man. He keeps back his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword. So when in the quieting of our hearts, we have a choice to make as to who we're going to let come in and not let in. So I would suggest that it would be important for us to be intentional to be intentional that we want to hear him 
Secondly, to surrender our hearing And then in Isaiah 26, verse 3, it says, He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on thee. The one thing that Jesus commended the sheep for in John chapter 10 was that the voice of the stranger they will not follow but will run from it for they know not the voice of the stranger. So in, the, in all the countless voices that are out there, I'm reminded of that song that I like um, that Casting Crowns sings about the voice of truth. The voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. Out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. The last thing that I just wanted to say about the covenant is that, you know, the, the breaking of the covenant was a serious thing. So when God established a covenant with us and he did his part, we, we didn't keep our part. So what did he do to fix that? He came from heaven in the likeness of us. In Romans chapter 8, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So on the one hand, we have God who is merciful and this is his provision. And on the other hand, we have us who broke the covenant, who couldn't keep it. It was punishable by death. So what did he do? He sent his son to take our place, to pay the penalty, to pay the price, and then make it possible for us. He fulfilled the other side of the contract as well. And then he says, here. So you have God the provider, and then you have God saying, here, you're the recipient. You have God doing both sides of the covenant. Just think about that for a minute. There's no way that we could keep that covenant on our own. Covenant is foreign to my thinking. And I submit to you, okay, yeah, when we see the Lord or take the Lord's Supper, but I say again, covenant should be a readily part of our way of thinking every day. Because when the enemy tries to tell you and condemn you and put you down, you've got somebody that defeated the enemy who established an eternal covenant and made a way for you beyond the veil. So I want to finish with this set of passages from Hebrews chapter 6, and I know it's not there, but the Lord gave it to me. Hebrews chapter 6, 
Verse 13, starting there. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly I like that. More convincingly to the heirs of the promise. Who is that? That's us. The unchangeable, unchangeable, unchangeable character of his purpose. He guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. I would say confident expectation. That's what that means. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. Even though we're on this side, He is the one who went through the veil and He is our anchor and escorts us and that we can come with confidence and with faith and ask and say, Lord, Give us this day our daily bread. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Father, thank you. Thank you. You're so good. You are good. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Thank you, Lord, that you have established an everlasting covenant with us. That every day we have new mercies where sin abounded, your grace abounded all the more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are our, our bread, that you are our water that you are the very air we breathe. Lord, you are what sustains us. It's in you. It's in you that we live and move and have our being. Thank you, Lord, for making a way where there was no way. In Jesus' name, amen.